This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 652. Thank you for listening. You can check us out over at MarkingOut.com. Listen to us over on your streaming service such as Spotify. Buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Give us a follow over on Twitter at MarkingOut. On threads at MarkingOut11. On Instagram at MarkingOut11. Also on Twitch and on TikTok. Make sure that you check us out individually. You can see me, Dave the Rave, at DavidPTDPT, over on all social media platforms. You can follow Brandon at BTTG on all social media platforms. One, six, and one. follow Chris at Chris Sweendog over on Twitter and CM Sweeney85 over on Instagram. That being said, Brandon, how are you? I am not doing awesome as always. And why is that? Well, my my throat had been bothering me since like last Monday. And I didn't really think anything of it because like I just had strep throat in June. So I was like, there's no way anything's wrong with me. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Finally, on Sunday, I went to urgent care. And it turns out that I somehow have strep throat again. A month later. Right. So annoying. Jeez. I don't even understand well, how. Nah, you know, wishing you a speed of recovery. That's That stinks. Is your throat hurting a lot? Yeah. It does. Are, what do you do? Are you drinking drinking hot tea or honey? I drank hot tea with, uh, or hot water with honey the other week, but I hate hot liquid so it's like like soup i can I do but but it's gonna provide like that soothing i yeah i don't know you know Obviously even if you i mean if you too, like soup if, if you like soup then maybe get just like some broth and just yeah. have broth you know well, i had i had broth. i've had chicken soup i've had egg drop soup mm-hmm. so but that's really yeah, that's I keep been, on going with the hot <laughs> that's hot been fluids. my week I watched uh, Super Mario Bros. That's on Peacock I, I, this week. Oh, I, I I didn't realize it was on Peacock. I'm gonna have to watch it. Big uh, big stinker. <laughs> no, maybe it's because I didn't grow up playing the the Mario games or whatever. But I just I couldn't get into it. I thought it was terrible. And I've All seen right. so many I know people Chris... like put it over and say how much they loved it. But I just... yeah, Chris loved it. I mean. I have a feeling I'm going to really like it too, but I also want to watch Twisted Metal. The intro of of the Super Mario Brothers movie was was good. And then they get to a certain point I'm like, this is garbage. Mm-hmm. So, but I liked Chris Pratt yeah. and and Charlie Day as Mario and Luigi. No, it's a good combo. Good so. go- uh good combo. Yeah, and they they had like the little like yeah. inside jokes here and there with the the video game, like where if like you knew you knew, then 
it was it was yeah. funny to you. So pop culture wise, I was able to understand stuff. Okay, I got you. I got you. But, I've been watching uh, Too Hot to Handle. What is that? On, is that a, a reality show? Yeah, I I do have a soft spot what? for reality Again? TV. That was what was your other thing? Yeah. Was Love Island or something? Yeah, yeah, Love. <laughs> uh, it was. I I did start Love Island once. Um, no, um, Love is Blind. Right. Love is Blind. I was hooked into, but yeah, now I'm into another reality show. Too hot to handle. It's becoming something that I just binge watch over and over again, uh, and it's very, very, very addicting. But I do want to, once I get done with this, I want to go into Twisted Metal for a TV show-wise, but I have a feeling I may fall into like another reality TV show. Mm. I would definitely fall into Bad bro- uh, Big Brother. Oh, it's brand new season out. Yeah. Just, Are you just watching it? on Wednesday, yeah, of course. How does that work? It's every night it's on TV or no? It's like Wednesdays, Thursdays, or Wednesdays, Fridays, I don't know, Mondays maybe also. Yeah, it's it's on really <laughs> I don't like know a ton. The, I don't know the schedule. I know if you watch on Paramount Plus, they have you have access to the live camera, the live feeds. So like I could go uh-huh. right now and watch what the house is doing. Unless they're doing That's... a competition. Uh-huh. That's so. interesting. That's really crazy how, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then there's anything After else? Dark, too, which is basically the live feed, but at mm-hmm. night, I don't know if they're doing it this season. I, I feel like they haven't done it in, in a while, but mm-hmm. that was, like, when I first started watching, that After Dark thing was super addicting. Mm-hmm. Like, that Why? I watched for hours. Don't they just, like, sleep? No, they're up talking and sometimes fighting and damn that's that sounds right up my alley yeah <laughs> well, i mean you i think after dark was a lot more enjoyable than the the show sometimes so you might actually enjoy mm-hmm. watching that versus the other thing that's on pop tv i think if it if it exists i'm gonna have to check it out so but other than that your week was fine yeah my week was very much so fine Thank you for asking. Before we move on to Monday Night Raw, we wanted to mention the unfortunate passing of exotic Adrian Street, who unfortunately passed away at the age of 82 this week. His career in professional wrestling spanned almost 60 years, which is crazy. Wow. Um, But he was known for being flamboyant and took that glam rock look and turned it into a character. Took him all over the world. Not WWE, but literally almost everywhere else. And uh, it's been said that he inspired or could have inspired the looks for David Bowie, Elton John, Boy George, and a few more. And if you look at how he dressed, it's definitely like, it seems like something that could be true. It is wild that he's never been with WWF. Right. But WWE yeah. released like a mini documentary about him back in 2019 on WWE Network. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think it's worth checking that out. It's uh, also on Peacock. There's some of some of his matches are on Peacock and obviously still WWE Network if you have that. And we did see him appear at Clash of the Castle last year in the crowd. So oh, yeah, that's true. Yes, yes. Him and uh, Miss Very Linda. True. Yeah. So our thoughts... 
and condolences go out to his family and his friends. And uh, we're going to move on to Monday Night Raw right now. Mm, Monday Night Nitro. Kicking it off with Logan Paul cutting one heck of a promo. Uh, just really attacking the crowd and everything. I was a big fan of his entire promo. Like, he calls out Ricochet, but the promo itself and how he interacted with the crowd, it. Like, he yeah. gets it. I mean, even his responses to the, like, him responding to them doing what? I was, I was like, so happy watching that and hearing how he responded because if you're, if you're, new to professional wrestling, you might not know how to actually interact and handle those chants. Yeah. But he, he, he fed into it. He went right into it. It was like flawless. Yeah, he nailed it, you know? And then, of course, Ricochet coming out there, meeting up with uh, face-to-face with Logan Paul. And Logan Paul and Ricochet, they actually did have a handshake, I believe, right? I think so, but... They did have a handshake, but then Logan Paul making his comments saying that his, uh, that Ricochet's wife... Um, fiance? Is go- fiance Irvin is going to be uh, announcing him as the winner. Yeah, so when Samantha Irvin was brought into it, that eventually led to that brawl between the two of them. So I, I, I thought that was a really, a very, very well done segment by the both of them. Especially I mean, for a few that people were like, Eh, I don't. I, I don't mean, really care about Ricochet. I don't really cr- care about Logan Paul. This, this, I th- hope made you care about it. I mean, did you hear the crowd when even when Ricochet came out, the entire crowd popped huge for Ricochet. Yeah, like this feud for people bashing Logan Paul or that Ricochet is in a feud with Logan Paul. I want you to just look at Ricochet coming out. And the crowd's reaction versus maybe two to three years ago, Ricochet coming out. This is not the same reaction. Yeah. He's over. After that, we saw Imperium get interviewed. And Gunter was ultimately just disappointed in Ludwig Kaiser for losing last week. And it goes right into the match where we see Ludwig Kaiser pick up the victory over Matt Riddle. Which I thought was a good match. Kaiser almost lost. But yeah, this was this was a really good match. I thought the the big you know thing I actually I got worried. I thought that the I thought that Riddle was actually going to pick up the victory. But the big thing from this was Gunter yelling at at Kaiser, and that's like boom. Kaiser had like that comeback, turned it around, and Gunter. I thought he was going to like beat him up afterwards to show him be like you like you better stay in line. Shook his hand. Yeah. Yeah, he just gave him a firm handshake, and you can see Ludwig Ludwig's like face light up after he got that handshake. Like he got the approval of the ring general. He got the approval of him now. Yeah, and I I thought that this was great. This was a great way to lead into the Survivor Series to show that Summer Imperium Summer. is still strong. You heard but, that right? No, I didn't. SummerSlam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> SummerSlam. Yes. SummerSlam. Have to go through that one first. You didn't hear me earlier either when uh, you said my handle was BTTG. 
You left off the 161. Dude, I'm telling you, it's been a long week. After that, though, <laughs> we saw Maxine Dupree pick up the victory over Valhalla. Thank you. Um, Valhalla was super, super dominant at the beginning of this match. Like, very dominant to the point where I thought, oh, she's going to just control this Dominator. whole thing and win. Yeah. Alpha Academy got up on the apron before uh, Maxine went for the Caterpillar, and I feel like the referee should have been like, no, 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 no. Get down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't happen. Eric got into the ring to break up a pin, and then that <laughs> led to the two teams brawling on the outside. Gable hits that moonsault, but Valhalla had a comeback from that. And Maxine was able to counter that, hit that queen suplex to pick up the victory that blew the minds of Twitter that uh, Maxine <laughs> that Maxine hit that as her finisher. So Yeah, I thought it was a good filler match, you know, it was entertaining. I yes, I was very entertained by this and I was I I'm happy that that uh Maxine Dupree is over and that she's it's working. Everything with Alpha Academy is working. And yeah. we saw Imperium actually interrupt their celebration later on and it sets up a match where Chad Gable all he has, has to do is is last 5 minutes with Gunter. And later on we see Gunter Pick up the victory over Chad Gable, but there's like a little asterisk asterisk here. I mean, Chad Gable, he lasted the five minutes leading to Gunter going to the ring announcer being like, listen, we're going to continue this match until it's over. And they ended up keep on continuing the match where Gunter picked up the victory. But the original state of the five minute countdown, Chad Gable lasted. And it was nice to see Chad Gable get so much in and not have it be a, a quick match. Yeah, that's very true. You know, I I thought for sure Gable was not going to last, especially with Gunter heading into SummerSlam. Even when it was coming down to that very last second, I thought somehow Gunter was gonna. Oh, I know, like get Gable. Th- th- that power bomb that he rocked him with, though, at the end to finish it and everything. I mean, this match was. Re- I thought that this was a great match too. I would have preferred for it to actually end it on the the five minute mark but i completely understand like you said guter's going into SummerSlam. you have to make him yeah so i'm like completely fine with that but uh he cut a promo on drew mcintyre afterwards in regards to SummerSlam, so that just hypes up that match but as far as chad gable goes i want to see him facing Ilya Dragunov. yeah that would be sick you know i think that overall the first like hour of monday night raw was really great. Yeah, and then we, we see uh, the Judgment Day. Now, this was weird. Before you get into it, this was weird for me. The fact that they started the Judgment Day segment with them all on the ramp. They didn't even show the uh, the graphics or anything like that. They just had them standing out there. Then they cut to, pr- to the commercial before they even started walking down. Then they come back and they're in the ring. I, I thought that fine. was just weird for me. But they, they ran through everyone that they took out already, and it led to Raquel Rodriguez to come out, who I legitimately thought was shoot injured. But she squared up with Rhea Ripley here. Rhea got the upper hand and attacked Raquel's knee, and Adam Pierce told Raquel that she's not cleared to wrestle, but she will get a title shot when she is. There so that Rhea Ripley, I guess, uh, 
And she has every right to be. She's not happy. Definitely not happy that she's not on SummerSlam. Yeah. We've, and seen, I think that- we've seen her liking tweets. We've seen her interacting with people about it. It makes sense that I she's mean, upset. Yeah, but maybe it's going to be... I don't know. Maybe... I mean, I could easily see them playing into this, though, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe she interrupts the triple threat match. I, I don't know. I don't... There's... What triple threat match? Why would she interrupt Oh, that? yeah. No, that's totally different. That's totally different. Yeah, there's nothing. I can't it, it see her weird. not being on SummerSlam... Even like in a backstage thing, but at this moment, what well, she I, there's Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, so I feel like we can see Rhea Ripley there. I feel like we're gonna we're definitely. I feel like we're definitely gonna see Judgment Day in that segment. But then also we have not to. I mean, I'll skip forward right now. Becky Lynch. We have Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, who she called out to fight. They're also not booked for SummerSlam. Trish Stratus is like, you don't get to call the shots. I'm not wrestling tonight. And Adam Pierce was like, actually, it it is happening tonight. And then Becky Lynch yeah. ends up picking up the victory over Trish Stratus via like the quickest DQ ever. As soon as it began, Zoe Stark attacked Becky Lynch, but they continued to brawl. And for some reason, this gets not for some reason, apparently because of time. This gets set up for Monday Night Raw in I think it was Winnipeg in two weeks or so. Which I think it's like a good way to further push their feud. But I would have put money on the fact that you would think it would be Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch at the biggest party of the summer. One of mm-hmm. your big four pay-per-views. Not a random Monday Night Raw in Canada. Unless they yeah. do something where Zoe Stark gets involved again and it gets Push to payback. Maybe we see Rhea Ripley know. versus Raquel Rodriguez push to payback. So yeah. it's very unfortunate that they're not part of SummerSlam, but everything else it's on true. Monday Night Raw, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura pick up the victory over Tommaso Ciampa. We did see Ciampa say that he's going to fix the problem between him and Nakamura and that he needs to pick up momentum that pushes the the Slim Jim SummerSlam Battle Royal. I don't really get this feud. They both want Bronson Reed, but both yeah, of it doesn't them make in, sense to me either. They're it's like they're both each other's roadblock. Yeah, they could just focus all their energy on Bronson Reed. I know. Here, it, it, yeah. Nakamura, though, pulled uh, Champa's trunks to pick up the victory. Hmm. After that, yeah. we saw Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar face to face. They had a uh, video package for both of them earlier in the night where uh, it was a very interesting song choice they had, but it, I, th- I, I very much so enjoyed that, uh, that video package. Mm hmm. But yeah, it was good. Also, speaking of video packages, they had Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler in a video package. That was maybe my favorite thing from Monday Night Raw. Wow, I wasn't going to go that far. Talking about their friendship and how they met, and it included like real life stuff. Marina Shafir, who's signed to AEW, I think signed at least. She appeared in the video. Obviously, you can't 
cut around footage like that where you're you're showing real life stuff. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Jessamine Duke is in it as well, but I thought this was such a, a well done video package for Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And I we agree. We find with that. out it's going to be MMA rules. Safe bet. But the uh, not safe bet. That's what it is. But the Brock well, Lester, no, I mean like it's a safe bet with the both of them in a match. Oh yeah, with the MMA style. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they. It's going to be interesting to see how they do MMA style. Yeah. While like holding back pro wrestling wise, you know, like it's not going to be them legit striking each other. It's going to be interesting to see. Maybe it is. Maybe. I guess but, we'll find out on uh, Saturday. But we, we see the Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes thing, and Brock spoke before calling Cody Rhodes out. And when Cody came out, they shook hands. They had a stare down, and Brock did a little shove as he left the ring, and that led to Cody diving onto him. And then they brawled with Brock Lesnar getting the, the biggest upper hand there. Yeah, it's Security be... was super quick to get out earlier. When they, when they were doing the brawl. I don't know, with, with uh, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez, they they were like non-existent here. <laughs> but fans were chanting for Brock Lesnar to do more to Cody, which I was surprised at. And later on, Cody was interviewed and said that the aura of the beast gets shattered at SummerSlam. I like that he used shattered. I don't know if it's in reference to... Goldust, probably Goldie. not. But I, I like yeah. that. And then the main event, we saw Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn team up to face the Judgment Day and win. Um, Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn started the match by attacking the Judgment Day during their entrance. We saw Finn Balor get involved here. So... Yeah, this... You know, I mean, it continues everybody... This feud, you know, Sami Zayn, I'm still confused what's going to happen next. Even here, though, I like, I I feel like the match between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor was already set up perfectly last week with the, the brawl. Yeah, you didn't need And this, the contract man. signing. Yeah, if you, like, flipped this match with the segment last week, I think it would have made more sense, but also you would have had to done what you did with Kevin Owens a week earlier, and that wouldn't have I don't think you were able to yeah so that kind of sucked but they they teased the cash in and they they had Finn Balor take too much time to give him the briefcase and Seth Rollins was able to kick it into Damian Priest's face and everything fell apart for the judgment day there yeah we'll have to see how it plays out on uh on Saturday but I definitely thought it was a good episode of Monday Night Raw I thought the for me, the most entertaining part was definitely the beginning. The first half. And yeah, that was a very good segment. So, But yeah. that's Monday Night Raw. Going to move over to the Great American Bash. You had Nathan Fraser teaming up with Dragon Lee, Ulyssa Leone, and Valentina Ferois to pick up the victory over Metaphor on the kickoff show. I liked the tag team moves that Leone and Ferois did. I like that Jakar wrestled with uh, her her glasses on until they eventually fell off, but I thought this was a fun opening contest. It led into the Great American Bash intro with Cody Rhodes, where they, sh- they spliced in clips of Dusty Rhodes. I thought that was a cool intro. And then the first 
match. We saw the D'Angelo's pick up the victory over Gallus to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. When the rats hit at first, I had no idea what the hell was happening or who would be coming out. But obviously, I think now looking back, it makes sense. I thought it was a pretty good tag team match. The fans were super behind Tony D'Angelo and Stax. We saw Joe try to cheat a few times and ended up getting clocked with a crowbar. And I really thought Gallus would retain here, but I, I thought this was a, a fun outcome. After that, Roxanne Perez picked up the victory over Blair Davenport. In a Weapons Wild match, we saw Roxanne Perez taking pictures with her family before the match, and Blair Davenport was in a hood in the crowd and started the match by by attacking her right then and there. And I really enjoy this match. I like how over Roxanne was in her home state. And we saw the Pop Rocks onto the pile of chairs to finish it. I thought that was a good finish for this match. After that, Gable Stevenson versus Baron Corbin ended in a double countout. Corbin is now maybe a pirate, according to his Tron. I don't quite get that. His theme song is dope. That's a fantastic theme song. I do miss End of Days, but I'm I'm happy with this theme song. Fans, though, were almost fully behind Baron Corbin here. And I don't think this was a bad debut match for Gable Stevenson, but I wish there was an actual ending. They brawled after the bell. I thought it was a good brawl, but it just leads to nothing. We saw Lyra Valkyria interviewed and JC Jane attacked her and then they brawled. Rhea Ripley laughed about it and said that's what she's been waiting for to see that side of Lyra. And it leads right into Dominic Mysterio picking up the victory over Wes Lee and Mustafa, Mustafa Ali to retain the North American Championship. And Rhea Ripley got involved a few times. One of the times she put Wes Lee through a commentary table with the Riptide. I liked Mustafa Ali and Wes Lee working together against Dominic. I thought the three amigos spot where where they Dominic tried to hit it on both of them and, and both times couldn't. And then they went and did three suplexes. I thought that was a brilliant spot there. But the missed 450 spot from Mustafa Ali on the apron looked nasty. I liked how Dominic went to go use the North American Championship, but the referee took it from him. Only to have Rhea Ripley give him her championship to use. But Mustafa Ali hit that 450 while Dominic was hung up on the the ropes. That was a cool spot. Ultimately, Rhea Ripley pulled Mustafa Ali off off of uh, Wesley. And Dominic won with the frog splash. And then Dominic and Rhea Ripley got into Dragon Lee's face later on. Rhea Ripley dropping the line. Basically saying that uh, uh, Dragon Lee was Batman. I thought that that was somewhat funny. After that, Tiffany Stratton picked up the victory over Thea Hale in a submission match to retain the women's championship. Tiffany Stratton had a Barbie-themed entrance and, I guess, Barbie-themed gear. I assume they were allowed to use that because of their partnership with Mattel. But Stratton used a lot more submissions than we've ever seen her use. 
And we've seen her use some in the past, and I don't think she even used the ones that that she's used. And there was one that she used on Fallon Henley. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a reverse camel clutch lotus lock, standing lotus lock, or something like that. I can't describe it, but I was such a fan of that submission move. I was hoping she would use it here, but she didn't. But Thea Hale hit an exploder suplex from the top rope, rolled it into a Kimura lock, which I thought was dope. And outside of that, I wish the ending wasn't the ending. Stratton had Tiffany Hale in like the longest Boston Crab ever. She was applying it in different positions, which I enjoyed. I thought that was a a cool aspect of it to not just sit there for the full amount of time with the, the regular Boston Crab. And in the end, she locked in a single leg Boston Crab. Andre Chase threw in the towel. These two, I think, absolutely killed it at Great American Bash. So kudos to Tiffany Stratton and Thea Hale here. The main event saw Carmelo Hayes pick up the victory over Ilya Dragunov to retain the NXT Championship. I think the match was slow at times, but it was also very, very hard hitting. That powerbomb reversal from Dragunov off of the nothing but net, that was crazy. The cutter from Carmelo Hayes I thought was dope. But Dragunov hit Trick Williams with the Torpedo Moscow off the steel steps by mistake. He was going for Carmelo Hayes. And then Carmelo Hayes finally won with nothing but net. And I really thought we would see... I feel like I thought we would see Ilya Dragunov walk out as champion. But... On to the next challenger for Carmelo Hayes. After that, we move on to NXT that opens up with the D'Angelo's. Pulling up, immediately getting attacked by Gallus. And Tony laid out a challenge later on and he said he'll make a call for a third partner. So we, we go into the main event. Who's the big mystery third partner? First match of the evening saw Lyra Valkyria pick up the victory over JC Jane. We saw JC show up and speak through a commentary headset as a warning to Lyra, then attacked her during her entrance. But I think this was a good victory for Lyra Valkyria. I didn't think JC would win this, but she had a lot of good offense in this. After that backstage, we saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, where Trick told Carmelo Hayes that he has to go be his own man. People right now only see him as a sidekick, And he wants so much more. He wants to go and slay Dragunov. We saw Wesley walk into the room super pissed off. And Carmelo Hayes tried to calm him down. Metaphor interrupted them. And Noam Dar, uh, he, he bragged about being the Heritage Cup holder. And then that turned into a pull apart brawl and it sets up the main event. Or not the main event, but it sets up a match. We also had Dominic and Rhea Ripley celebrating Dominic's win at Great American Bash where he claims to be the greatest luchador and Dragon Lee came out and said that Rey Mysterio is the greatest luchador of all time. And this sets up a match for next week for the North American Championship with Rey Mysterio in Dragon Lee's corner. Uh, Later on, Dominic... Axiom interrupted Dominic and Rhea Ripley and Dominic thought he had already spoken to him, confusing him with Dragon Lee. And 
Mustafa Ali was annoyed with that, with him interrupting Dominic because he sees him as the next challenger of the, the championship. So Mustafa Ali still wants that North American championship. Axiom, I guess, also wants the North American championship. We saw Dijak pick up the victory over Eddie Thorpe, who I thought was going to, to win. But Dijak definitely needed that victory. Um, after that, we saw a backstage segment with Dana Brooke and Kalani Jordan, where Dana said that Cora Jade brought something out in her. And as soon as she got the kendo stick in her hand, she lost it. And she kind of liked it. Then she said that Kalani needs to tap into something like that and find aggression. Go call somebody out. Then they showed Cora Jade in the women's locker room pissed off from last week. And she said that she's leaving. And I don't know what that really means. I don't know if that means she's done from NXT. Maybe she'll go to the main roster. She'd be a fantastic fit for damage control. So only time will tell with that. We saw Lola Vice and Electra Lopez pick up the victory over Yulisa Leone and Valentina Feroz, which I don't think was a good follow-up match from Bash of the Beach for Leone and Feroz, but it was a very unexpected win for Lola Vice and good a good match for her as well. We saw Metaphor pick up the victory over Wesley and Carmelo Hayes. Wesley attacked Metaphor before the match without Carmelo Hayes. He eventually joined in, but he wasn't happy about it. didn't look like he was happy about doing that. And we're definitely getting a different side of Wesley, which is like more aggressive, very annoyed that he keeps losing. And, uh, or that he lost to Dominic in the first place. But as far as the match goes, that suplex that Carmelo did while sat on the middle rope, I thought was really cool. Wesley, I guess, made this such an awkward match for them. There were miscommunications up and down throughout the whole match, which makes sense. And Jakara and Lash Legend got involved. Wesley dove towards her to hit Noam Dar. Then Wesley, he ended up hitting Carmelo Hayes with the cardiac kick. Obviously by mistake, but he yelled at at Carmelo Hayes afterwards. Because again, he's pissed off. We saw Metaphor celebrate their, their victory later on. And Tyler Bates showed up to be like, you know what? You need a fresh opponent. You need... You need a fresh opponent. That sounded weird in my head when I said it. To Noam Dar and Tyler Bate accepts. And Noam Dar's like, what? what are you talking about? I didn't, I don't have, I don't need an opponent. So I thought that was funny. Brom Breaker cut a video promo on Von Wagner. Called him a nobody. Just like his father. And told him to come find him. But if he does find him. He's going to look worse than he did in the as a kid in those pictures that we saw. Awful thing to say to somebody. Earlier in the night, we saw Chase U get interviewed and Thea Hale was sad. And she was kind of angry that Andre Chase threw in the towel. Baron Corbin interrupted that, told them to leave. He also told Thea that she peaked on Sunday. 
And Andre Chase stepped up and it led to a match where Baron Corbin picked up the victory over Andre Chase. We saw Thea Hale end up throwing the towel in. The referee didn't see it. Baron Corbin threw the towel out of the ring. Thea Hale left. And Andre Chase almost won off of that, but Baron Corbin hit the end of days and won. So we're getting a different side of Thea Hale now. After that, we had a schism summit where Joe Gacy said that two of the new recruits abandoned the values of schism and then Ava made everybody unmask one by one and one of them was Ikamanjiro. That was funny because he wasn't actually with them. He was just like being Ikamanjiro. I thought that was a funny thing to have there. But when they got to the final two, the dyad attacked them because they thought it was the Creed's. And then the Creed's just so conveniently show up on the screen in a beach setting. And they're like, we're no longer in NXT. We're on vacation, brother. Just so happened to be readily available for that. And they were like, we're not even in Orlando. And the dyad continued the beat down on the two unknowns. Joe Gacy called the Creed's out. And he wants them to be found. The Creed's kept switching up their location. The uh, green screen. So it's goofy that they're supposed to not be in NXT, but they are in NXT. I don't know how that really works out. The main event, though, saw the family pick up the victory over Gallus with uh, the third member being Santos Escobar. He was a uh, former member of the family, kind of, I guess. And it was fun to see Escobar come out and help them, even though it doesn't 100% make sense. They explained it in a, a backstage interview after the show to make it make sense. But it was uh, a match where the referee lost control more than once. Overall, just cool to see Santos Escobar in the main event helping out the D'Angelo's. And then we cut to a video of Ilya Dragunov saying that he's not finished with Trick Williams. And Trick is the reason why he's not NXT champion. And he's not going to stop until Trick is terminated. So whenever we see those two wrestle, I'm sure there's going to be more and more storyline to come from that. So that's NXT. Going to move over to SmackDown. LA Knight picked up the victory over Sheamus. They had people from the Battle Royal come out during this match. Uh, Obviously, LA Knight incredibly over here. But Sheamus and LA Knight both fell from the top rope to the outside. I'm not 100% sure if that was supposed to happen, but it led to everybody in the Slim Jim Battle Royal brawling ringside. And we saw Sheamus hit Miz, I guess, accidentally with the bro kick off the apron. And LA Knight was able to hit his finisher off of that and pick up the victory. And backstage, it led to a screaming match between the Brawling Brutes and the OC. So Adam Pierce was like, if you guys want each other, go to the ring, settle it. And then the OC versus the Brawling Brutes ended in a no contest. This match itself kind of seemed like a match that because it's been like months since we've seen the OC wrestle, or it seems like that at least, 
uh, it seemed like a match that would have taken place on a show where most of the roster wasn't there. But it turns out that the Street Profits showed up in suits and took out both teams. So that was a a cool moment. Uh, Bobby Lashley came out afterwards to shake their hands, basically. I'm looking forward to this new group. After that, Paul Heyman came out, basically putting all the blame still on Jey Uso. Everything that happened to Jimmy, everything that we've been hearing in recent weeks. And said that we might never see Jimmy again, which makes me assume we will. And they also they, they aired a uh, video package about the Ula Fala, which I thought was a cool video package. I think they used AI images, which was weird. But they had Rikishi, they had the Wild Samoans talking about the Ula Fala. And then we saw Jay interrupt Paul Heyman. He laid out what he's going to do to Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Solo made his way out. And Jay was like, you got to chill. Everything that Paul Heyman's saying to you is something that Paul Heyman said to me. So he's trying to, I guess, plant seeds of doubt in, in Solo's head as well. He ended up kicking Solo. They have a match for the main event. We saw Austin Theory get interviewed from uh, backstage by Kayla, who's no longer on the bump. That's unfortunate, but uh, she was she did a fantastic job as the host of the bump. But she's backstage interviewing Austin Theory. She's not leaving WWE, thank God. And uh, it was basically just about defending the title against Santos Escobar next week. And his match against Cameron Grimes, which we go to, Austin Theory picks up the victory over Cameron Grimes. But almost instantly, Santos Escobar came out and was held back by by security and stuff and referees. That allowed Cameron Grimes to hit the cave-in and really almost pick up that victory. But Austin Theory's foot was on the rope. I thought that was a very nice spot. We got a more aggressive side from Cameron Grimes here. And then the the end of the match I thought was really well done where Cameron Grimes went to the top rope. Austin Theory shook the ropes. Grimes fell off and Austin Theory hit the ATD to pick up the victory. And then Santos came out almost immediately and hit that Phantom Driver. After that, we had the Grayson Waller effect with damage control of the guests. Um, the, The Shotzi Blackheart video interrupted. And Bailey freaked out, and then it turned out that Grayson Waller played it as a joke. And then we hear Shotzi's music hit. The tank comes out, and Bailey thought it was a joke. Fool me once, whatever, shame on me. And it was actually Shotzi showing up from behind. She sent EO out of the ring, and Shotzi brawled with, with Bailey for a bit. He's shaving Bailey's head. And then it turned out that Zelina Vega was the one in the tank who was going on to face EO, actually picking up the victory over EO. She at one point went to the, the top rope for her moonsault and she saw Bailey and Shotzi by the entranceway brawling. So it stopped her in her tracks. Zelina Vega hit a powerbomb, hit that running code red and picked up the victory. I wish the match was longer, but I enjoyed what it was. After that, the main event saw Jey Uso pick up the victory over Solo Sokoa. I 
don't really think this match was necessary, but I thought it was still good, and I liked the ending with the the super kick from Jey Uso, the super kick from Solo Sokoa, a spear from Jey, and then the Uso splash to pick up the victory. And Jey doesn't, to me at least, doesn't really get the advantage for going into SummerSlam because he still had to face Solo Sokoa. And Solo tried to continue the attack afterwards, but Jay took him out. That's the end of SmackDown. Going to move over to predictions for SummerSlam. Taking place at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. Um, Hey, let's let's go with uh, the match that I am looking forward to. I'm going to say most, but definitely looking forward to. But the viral match, Logan Paul taking on Ricochet. I am going to. Ooh, I'm going to say Logan Paul. This is a difficult choice. I'm going to say Logan Paul. I'm going to say Logan Paul. Okay, all right. I think it's going to be entertaining. You know, twenty man battle up. royal, Slim Jim, Summer Slam battle royal. I got to say, L.A. Knight. I agree with you. Yeah, L.A. Knight. It has to be. I agree with you, you know. MMA rules match. Ronda Rousey taking on Shayna Baszler? I'm going to go Shayna. Would be nice if uh, they they called up Ken Shamrock. (laughs) Even more so now. But I'm going with Shayna Baszler as well. All right. And when I say called him up, I mean for a special guest referee spot. Of course, of course. What about the IC championship on the line? Gunter defending against McIntyre. I'm going to go to Gunter. Yeah, I can't see Drew McIntyre taking the title from Gunter when Gunter's so close to breaking Honky Tonk Man's record. He just yeah, surpassed he... Macho Man. He's coming up on, on these all these records. So Yeah, he has to. He has to at this rate. Yeah. And if he holds uh, on for like another month, I think he breaks both records, so... Yeah, exactly. You know, we have uh, women's championship on the. Oh, yeah. No, go on. All right, the WWE women's championship on the line. Oscar defending against Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. Ah, oh, this one's a tough one. I'm gonna say Oscar. I'm gonna say Oscar as well, but I could a hundred percent see EO Sky cashing in and winning. Hmm, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see that. You know. Next up, let's go with the tribal combat match for the undisputed WWE Universal <laughs> Can Championship. Can go with the main event next? Maybe. And recognition of tribal chief. <laughs> I'm going to say oh. Roman Reigns. But we need to gonna... see Rikishi. We need to see Samu. We need to see <laughs> the Wild Samoans. We need these, these characters. I'm going to say Roman Reigns as well. I think that the tribal chief, it's just incredible storyline. I'm going Roman Reigns. It's Cody's to take. Not, not not necessarily the tribal chief aspect of it, but Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. I think Cody's getting over this speed bump of Brock Lesnar. I agree with you. And it's going to look brutal. And I hope that just elevates Cody to that next level even more. I mean, he was on the Today Show this yeah. week. Fantastic. 
So I think I, you can 100% totally... win that WWE championship and, and just be the guy. Mm-hmm. And then we have for the World Heavyweight Championship, Seth freaking Rollins picking up the victory over Finn Balor, perhaps? I'm going to say yes. As much as I would love to see Finn Balor win the championship, because it would just work so well for the Judgment Day and what they have right now with Dominic being the North American champion, with Rhea Ripley being the women's champion. It just works so well for Finn Balor to get that championship. It would be nice. It would be nice, but I think Rollins is winning. Do you I'm think just, that Priest is couldn't Priest cash in on Rollins after winning, and then him and Balor have kind of a feud where Finn Balor lost to Rollins, but Priest defeated him? I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want Damian Priest to become the champion right now, though. Mm-hmm. But... It's tough to say. I feel like something has to happen there. Yeah, something's got to take place. Or maybe Priest costs Balor by accident because he teases a cash-in. That's possible as well. You know, we've seen that happen a few times. Yeah, we saw a few times of that happening before, so maybe. And because of the, uh, the big surprises that we got last year from Triple H's takeover of WWE, I have to assume we'll get big surprises this year. I don't know what they will be or could oh, yeah, that's be. That's true. But I mean last year we had that whole damage control thing. That was awesome. Mhm. So hopefully we get something big surprises and uh and I'm looking forward to SummerSlam. Same. But those are our predictions. I'm going to uh take a little break right now and I'll be right back here on Marking out. This is the new effing show, Jerry Lynn, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 652. Gonna move over now to some AEW talk, kick it off with some rampage from last week. We got Big Bill and Brian Cage winning that tag team battle royal. I still don't know why... They did another battle royal the week after they just did like their big battle royal, the Royal Rampage. But I was wrong in thinking that the Hardy Boys were going to win this, so at least there's that. After that, we saw Commander pick up the victory over Kip Sabian. I I just don't know why anyone would care about this match. No offense to Commander, no offense to Kip Sabian. The match was decent, but... I, like, where has Kip Sabian been to, to care about him? I just, I don't think you need this match. And the match after that, you had the Kingdom pick up the victory over Hayden Backlund and Myung Jae Lee. They aired a video package earlier for the Kingdom, but they haven't been seen on AEW television in four months. So, like the other thing, why should people care about this I don't understand this the referee in this match by the way gets up to a six count when Taven was illegally in the ring do they do ten counts for people in the ring now I don't I'm not I'm not sure on that but these two matches it made no sense they they they're not matches people should care about after that they aired a uh, video package or not a video package a promo from the dark order 
saying that it's time to rebuild. I thought it was a good fired up promo from Evil Uno and from Alex and Johnny as well. So what rebuilding they're going to do, we'll we'll see. After that, the main event saw Hikaru Shida pick up the victory over Nyla Rose. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic to see Hikaru Shida in the main event. Not great to see her against Nyla Rose, but still cool to see her in the main event. And as far as the match goes, Marina Shafir got involved. Hikaru Shida recovered from that, hit Nyla Rose with that knee and picked up the victory. And I think it's a shame that people left for this match. You could see in the crowd, they completely emptied out. Moving on to AEW Collision, we saw Andrade pick up the victory over Buddy Matthews in a ladder match. To get Andrade's mask back, Andrade's gear looked like a combination of Kevin Nash and uh, Gene Simmons a little bit. But he looked like a main event star during that entrance. And this was easily the best match on Rampage. Again, uh, on Collision, I mean. Early on, they had a cool spot off the ladder where Amos like jumped off the apron onto the ladder hit that moonsault off of it Buddy's arm popped out during this match and he got it popped back in during the commercial break that was gross we saw Almas spear Buddy onto that bridging ladder through the ropes but Murphy countered it with a DDT which was dope the sunset flip spot from Andrade I don't know if we've ever seen one from the outside or on the outside I should say That was a crazy spot. But Julia ends up handcuffing Andrade to the ring post with Buddy Matthews. Uh, Andrade somehow got the key back. And then Murphy got cuffed. Andrade threw the key into the crowd and they got bolt cutters. She cuts open the thing or or actually Buddy cuts it. She goes and, and jumps on Andrade's back. On the top of the ladder. And Murphy gets free. Julia ends up getting pushed off the ladder. Onto Buddy Matthews. Through a table. In the corner. And this match I just thought was great. I thought it was such a fun match. Uh, Should have been the main event. This was fantastic. After that Miro was interviewed. He was attacked by Aaron Solo. Miro I think could have been so much bigger. When he returned. And this for me it's just not it. The whole Redeemer thing, the whole I hate God, I hate my hot wife, etc. It's just not working. Again. After that, Darby Allen picked up the victory over Minoru Suzuki. Fans booed Darby because uh, he interrupted Minoru Suzuki's theme song. And then uh, we saw him dive to the outside and completely miss, but Minoru Suzuki still sold it. Darby got right back up, regardless of missing. And then, really, for me, I mean, Minoru Suzuki, AEW has made him so boring. Christian cut a promo afterwards and said that Darby is no longer qualified to be TNT champion. So that just furthers their thing. But it's just a shame that Minoru Suzuki used to be like such an attraction, and now he's losing to Darby Allen. Like this. After that, Samoa Joe picked up the victory over Gravity. Why did this take place? He lost to Pack, and now he's facing Joe. For what reason? 
I don't understand. I would have liked to have seen Gravity actually selling the injuries from Pac. Pac locked him in the, the rings of Saturn and wouldn't let go. There was no continuation there. But at least this was over quickly. After that, CM Punk came out. The big thing, what's in the bag? He took the AEW championship out so that he's still champion. Nobody beat him for it. And then he spray painted a giant black X over the championship to look like the NXT title. (laughs) But it's like so goofy to me because like this isn't a murder mystery party. I feel like this should have been the day he returned. I'm champion. You didn't beat me. Not weeks after. And then you had Ricky Starks come out who went back and redid his entrance. Forget that you saw me. That was so cringe. I didn't understand that at all. But then Starks said that the title should should be given to him because he beat Punk twice. It sets up a title match where CM Punk's like, we need a special guest referee. So you can't cheat. And then it turns out it's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat who has history with CM Punk. They had Tony Schiavone announce it and actively went out of their way to move the camera away from him when when, uh, he was announcing it to focus on CM Punk and Ricky Starks, which I thought that was odd. But again, Ricky Starks in this promo was acting heel and the fans just didn't care. They were just cheering him. But to have this on the same night that the actual champion MJF was there is just goofy. Because why wouldn't MJF immediately come out there and be like, screw CM Punk? I understand that he's focused on the tag team titles in the main event with Adam Cole. But to me, that just like buries whatever reign MJF is having. Him not caring makes no sense at all. And then for Tony Khan to go out and tweet it, it's like... It's baffling because it's like, oh, yes, MJF is our champion, but yes, also CM Punk is our champion. How does that make sense? We saw CM Punk do this already in AEW with John Moxley. Even though Mox was, was quote-unquote interim champion, it's like the same thing over and over again. Obviously, we're going to... I mean, I can't say obviously. I assume eventually we'll see MJF versus CM Punk for that title to get one champion, but why? There's no point. After that, Bullet Club Gold picked up the victory over Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and Vikingo. Allow me to reiterate what I said last week. This is a far fall from grace for Bullet Club Gold. And it's even more meaningless by adding Vikingo to this. I don't understand why, like, you had such a a hot thing with Bullet Club Gold and FTR, and then for the past two weeks, it's it's just this. In nothing competition. After that, Mercedes Martinez picked up the victory over Kiara Hogan, which uh, went on a lot longer than I was expecting it to, especially with how Mercedes Martinez controlled literally, like, everything right before the commercial break. But the match itself, it was, I feel like, eh. 
I think the women's division needs a huge overhaul. Martinez held a submission after the match and Statlander ran out to make the save. Drops the title. And when Mercedes Martinez comes back into the ring, Chris Statlander's back is towards her. She picks up the title, clocks Statlander with it, and then Willow ran down to chase her off, but it sets up a title match. And then in the main event, we saw FTR pick up the victory over MJF and Adam Cole to retain the AEW Tag Team Championships. FTR was booed here. I assume, the uh, not even assume, you could tell. The crowd really wanted MJF and Adam Cole to win the tag team titles. Overall, I enjoyed a majority of this match. Some of it, I think, was still kind of hokey. The ending, to me, was eh. And really, nothing was topping that opening contest. So, after the match, you see MJF disappointed in himself. He teased hitting Adam Cole with the championship, but then he threw it down, hugged Adam Cole, and everybody went nuts. And because it it was going on for so long, I thought something else was going to happen. CM Punk at the beginning of the the show when he when he was cutting his promo or not at the beginning whenever he spoke said, "Oh, maybe we'll find out something about All In at the end." And then guess what we didn't find out at the end about All In. That's goofy. Moving over to the 200th episode of AEW Dynamite, they brought back the two tunnels. I know people were happy to see those. It opens up, though, with Chris Jericho and Takeshita picking up the victory over Danny and Sammy. And I thought for sure we were going to see some, like, a lot more mutual respect between Chris Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society here. Especially after that segment last week. But Don Callis in this match cheats in front of the referee. Nothing happens to him. He stays there. Makes no sense. If a referee sees you cheating... Kick him out. That makes no sense whatsoever. And then later, behind the referee's back, he hits Daniel Garcia with the baseball bat, which Jericho didn't look too pleased about. But he still went on and took that cover and pinned Garcia to to pick up the victory for the team. And then later on, Matt Menard told Chris Jericho that there's a mandatory Jericho Appreciation Society meeting next week. So... Maybe we'll find out that Chris Jericho's not actually joining the Don Callis clan, whatever they're being called. After that, you had Jack Perry and Jerry Lynn's face-to-face, which uh, wasn't really such a face-to-face, but Jerry Lynn said that he can't be cleared to wrestle or to fight Jungle Boy, and he called a good friend of his. The crowd was chanting it. It seemed so set up that everybody already was going to, to know it was Rob Van Dam with Pantera. I thought that was pretty cool. But his 2020 run in Impact, I thought, was just not good. I Maybe he's been like training more or he's gotten better since then. But Rob Van Dam challenges Jack Perry for a title match next week. I think he wants to retire the FTW championship. I'm not 100% sure that's what the interview was about later on. But again, I can't be super happy to see Rob Van Dam in 2023. 
because I remember seeing Rob Van Dam in 2020 and in 2019 and in 2018. It was like he needed to work a different style of wrestling and he wasn't doing that. So hopefully he is rested up and ready to and ready to wrestle and and looks great. After that we saw Trent pick up the victory over John Moxley and Penta in an anything goes match. I still don't understand why this match was taking place. Overall, I didn't mind the match. But there were some spots that I feel like people shouldn't have been able to recover as fast as they did from. Like the double table spot with the superplex with John Moxley and Trent. And then the Canadian Destroyer from Penta to Trent through the table. Like how is that not the end of a match? How was Penta up right away? How was Trent up right away? I don't get that stuff. But Trent stole the victory from John Moxley. I don't know where that leads to for Trent, but I mean, we were just talking about a few weeks ago how they were getting wins and then all of a sudden it was loss, 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 loss. So now they have a few wins. But John Moxley choked Trent out afterwards. Claudio and Yuta tried to come out. Chuck Taylor and, and Orange Cassidy jumped in. And that sets up Rampage in Daly's place. They're not even going to be in Daly's place, but they will be in Daly's place to do a parking lot brawl. So that's a bit weird. After that, MJF came out and he brought up basically the same thing that, that we've heard from him in the past about being bullied and all the anti-Semitism and stuff. But now... He's being cheered and he's not scared about the bullies anymore because the people care about him. And Adam Cole taught him to let everything, just let it go. Let go of the hate and trust people. And he brought Adam Cole out and Adam Cole said that he's not alone. For years, he was also a jerk because he was also afraid, just like MJF. And now MJF, he sees him becoming a man. And MJF said that he called him out because he made him a promise to give him a title shot. And he's like, but you don't deserve a title shot. You don't deserve just any title shot. You deserve the biggest. And it's all in. Adam Cole signs the contract. Roderick Strong was furious. Which is so goofy. Like your best friend's getting a a huge title match and you're pissed off. (laughs) That makes no sense. And then the kingdom approached Roddy and said something, but I couldn't hear them. But they hugged it out. Adam Cole and MJF hugged it out in this. And if you notice, Adam Cole on his hug did like a little knife stab. That's the same thing he did to Roderick Strong right before kicking Roderick Strong's ass in NXT. So it really does seem like Adam Cole is going to be the person that turns on MJF, turns on that team. After that, we saw the Elite pick up the victory over Triple J. I don't get this. You have the Elite win blood and guts. They go missing for a week and then come back for this? 
Like, where does this match come from? What kind of booking is this? I don't understand this. But I will say that the best part of this match was when Matt went to go tag himself out, when Satnam Singh tagged in, and Kenny and, and Nick quickly like turned around to walk off the apron, and then Triple J ended up doing the, the Young Buck elite pose. I thought that was really funny. But Karen Jarrett, Brandon Cutler, they both got involved. We saw Sanjay Dutt get involved. The Hardy Boys got involved. That's a huge shoulder shrug for me. Hangman got involved and 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 led to the end of the match where Hangman helped them win. And then they all spoke, the elite spoke about how they re-signed with AEW. Good for them. Although, I feel like the comment made in that article about them re-signing isn't the greatest mentality to have where it's like AEW wouldn't be what it is without us, basically. But that could just be playing up a gimmick. I just don't feel like a, a uh, an EVP should say something like that. But after that, we saw the Mogul Embassy, or whatever they're called, AR Fox and uh, and Swerve were talking about Darby Allen, and AR Fox said that Darby didn't say a word for him for five years until he saw him backstage at AEW. So now he's going to be taking everything from him. And they showed footage of them going to the Buddy Wayne Academy and beating the hell out of Nick Wayne. They left him absolutely bloodied. And then they called Darby Allen on Nick Wayne's phone, so that just furthers whatever they're doing. After that, Aussie Open picked up the victory over Vikingo and Commander to retain the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. There was a taping, I believe, for ROH the other day where Aussie Open showed up without the titles, so people thought that they'd be losing them in this match. But as far as this match goes, why did this take place? This was a celebration of AEW Dynamite 200 episodes why is a random Ring of Honor match taking place? I don't get that. They had some cool spots, obviously, because Commander and Vikingo are filled with those. They had that cool uh, Canadian Destroyer spot that Commander did off of Vikingo's back. And then the double moonsault that they did where they walked the rope, I thought that was a nice move as well. Match itself, I thought, was completely unnecessary. Main event... Which, by the way, I feel like they could have had so many more, or not so many more, at least one more women's match in between the, this with all the, the segments and stuff that they did, they could have shaved off time from that to, to add another match there. Like the, the, Bullock, the Blackpool Combat Club spot, MJF and, uh, and Adam Cole, that could have been shaved off, and why that Ring of Honor tag team match did not need to happen. Like, that sets up literally nothing for not, for anything. But the main event, we saw Hikaru Shida pick up the victory over Tony Storm to become the new AEW Women's Champion. I feel like I have to assume that this was the main event because AEW got called out by their own cameraman last week for not booking women properly. And uh, that was a hot topic on on Twitter 
So it was nice to see these two close the show on such a big episode of Dynamite. I think this was obviously better than the women's match that we got last week. But they, again, in this match, did that typical out-of-the-ring stuff for the women's matches. It just doesn't fit in. Like, that part, like, there's there's a way to go to the outside for me, in my mind at least, and have it make sense. Here, in this match, it doesn't, it just didn't fit. And then they have the whole outcast factor where they get involved. Every single time, every single outcast match, they're involved. It's like the bloodline at this point. But Soraya slid a kendo stick into the ring. And then Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm had a tug of war over it where Shida won it. And then Tony Storm got down on her knees and like begged for Hikaru Shida to hit her with it. Because obviously that would cause a disqualification. But Hikaru Shida instead decided to hit Ruby Soho and Soraya off the apron with the, the kendo stick. And then Tony Storm was able to hit Storm Zero off of that. She was uh she sprayed Hikaru Shida with the, the spray paint before that and hit Storm Zero. But Hikaru Shida reversed the pin into a pin to pick up that victory. I think this match could have been so much better, but I'm just very happy that Hikaru Shida is champion. Does it 100% make sense? The month of AEW All In, their biggest show that they'll probably ever do, to, to have a championship change before then, I'm not 100% sure on that. Do they do that to, to maybe set up Hikaru Shida versus Soraya or something like that? At all in? I don't know. But I feel like we should have had a lot more matches announced for all in than just MJF and Adam Cole. It's less than a month away. But that's episode 200 of AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout outs? This is Casey Kasem, and up next on the American Top 40, Brandon Shoutout. Randy Meisner unfortunately passed away last week at the age of 77. He was a pioneer of country rock music as a founder of the band Poco, but he would also later on go on to found the band Eagles with that same sound, and he co-wrote the song Take It to the Limit, sang lead on that, Mm -hmm. fantastic vocals. I believe he was supposed to rejoin the band for their 2013 History of the Eagles tour, but he was too sick at the time to do that, so I never got to see Randy perform, but there's clips of him performing live, and it's he's, like, absolutely incredible. So this weekend, I'm just going to suggest that everybody goes and uh, listens to some Eagles songs. Also... Unfortunately, this week, Paul Rubens passed away at the age of 70. Better known to the world as Pee Wee Herman. Which, like, how could you not be a fan of Pee Wee Herman? But... Yeah, I mean, I I grew up watching Pee Wee Herman. I had all the toys and everything, you know? He's a staple of uh, an 80s childhood, I feel. And, I guess, 90s as well. But he was such a rare talent, and... Outside of Pee Wee Herman, he was in other projects like Mystery Men, he was in Blow, 
for Disney fans, he voiced Captain Rex at Disney World. Now he hmm. sits in uh, in Galaxy's Edge as a DJ with his voice. But wrestling-wise, we saw him guest host Monday Night Raw in 2010. He appeared at WrestleMania 27. But he's just such an iconic character, Pee Wee Herman. And I wish I got to meet Paul. He was at a Comic-Con in 2019. But it was just so expensive, so I couldn't, like... I just couldn't do it. But I yeah. saw somebody walking who had just met him and I noticed he was wearing a wrestling shirt. So we struck up a conversation about AEW because that had just like debuted the night before. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was cool. But Paul Rubens gave a lot of memories to a lot of people. There are so many stories that come out that are like, like random people that are like, Oh, I wrote, I wrote him a letter. And what did he do? He called me. He invited me to his house. I mean, you told you shared one with me about RJ City. Yeah, I know. Just yeah, real uh, incredible person and very sad, you know. And I highly recommend checking out Pee Wee's Playhouse, all the movies, anything that he was part of, because he he was just even to have that character of Pee Wee Herman. You have to have like. I, I don't know how to actually like describe it, but like comedy wise mm-hmm. to have that and like down pat and not break character at all. is just like, like fantastic work. Yeah. So it's so unfortunate. Like I said, go, go watch all his projects, all the movies and, and TV shows that he's been part of. And my last shout out goes to heels, which is back on stars. Now, it's just an absolutely incredible show about pro wrestling. I think this show and Glow are are two shows that should have so much praise for the way that they handled pro wrestling. Because I feel like sometimes a show will make pro wrestling look too hokey. But yeah, and this show these, really yeah, both of these shows really they show the it respect. Yeah, and heels like I said, it's back for a new season on Stars. Stephen Amell and Alexander Ludwig, uh, they do such uh, an incredible job starring on it. Gotta really, see what everyone, happens to the brothers. Yeah, everyone on the cast, I think, does. And they picked up right where they left off for, for season one, and they go into a flashback, which I think is really cool to see, and, and get more of the the in-depth look at their characters. I know AJ Lee is on this season. She hasn't been introduced in episode one, but I know she'll be there. I know CM Punk, he's already on it. He's he's a reoccurring character. And I'd obviously, I'd much rather rather watch Ricky Rabies than uh, CM Punk on AEW. <laughs> so check out Heels on Stars. And those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our... our. Right, our mark out moment of the week. You know, you mentioned uh, Twisted Metal before. Yes, sir. It is a show that I didn't think I was even going to end up watching. And then I figured, what the hell, Samoa Joe's on it. And I ended up watching it in a day. 
Wow. It's on Peacock, Anthony Mackie, uh, Stephanie Beatrice, like I said, Samoa Joe, Will Arnett, Thomas Hayden Church, all star in it. And I think it's really cool to see Samoa Joe in this spot and playing one of the main characters. I don't think they yeah, needed I, mean, it's... I don't think they needed Will Arnett for the voice. Probably we've not. Seen, I mean, we've it seen was... the intensity of Samoa Joe. Yeah, but this is such a I mean it it's so cool because it's a video game that it's one of my favorite video games. I played the game a bit as a kid, but like I wasn't hardcore. Like from my memory, I don't think I was hardcore into it. Oh, I I was huge. So that's with why that. I was on the fence. I don't even remember there was a tournament, right? Yeah, it was a tournament to really you get whatever you want your wish gets granted pretty much. Like for for my memory of it, I'm confusing it with Road Rash. Yeah, Road Rash was very similar to that. <laughs> but I actually, I really were... enjoyed the show, and I really hope it gets picked up for a second season. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch it. You know, something that I marked this out was, for before you move on. This was a hot topic on Monday Night Raw, by the way, because this Detail. is part of the Peacock family. So WWE is promoting it. They didn't promote Sweet Tooth being in the show. He was cut out of the poster, cut out of all the promo and stuff. So I don't know if it's yeah, because Sweet they Tooth is like I don't know if they're not allowed to because Samoa Joe is signed to AEW or everyone. Well, I'm, I'm sure WWE that be petty over it, but maybe yeah, they it, really can't show him. I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure that he's not promoting it. I don't know. I'm sure that they'd be able to show Samoa Joe. I don't know. It is definitely weird. Um, I mean, I Sweet mean, they Tooth, were, they had, they're running a 24 hour live stream of SummerSlam matches. He was part of that, so. Yeah, so I, I, I think that there's probably more to it. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. But, like, I think there was one... Dark Tooth, I think, was one of the main bosses as well. But not too sure. But my, for me, my markout moment was watching the news in the clinic. I was treating a patient. And then they announced on PIX11, which is my preference for the news in the morning, is PIX11 because... They are incredible and entertaining, especially uh, Ben. No love for News Channel 12. Yes, Pix 11. Uh, but they actually had on L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, they interviewed him about the Slim Jim Battle Royale and uh, SummerSlam. And I definitely marked for that. I explained to the patients that uh, he's an up-and-coming the next big thing and the current big thing. Um, and yeah, they didn't really get it, but now that, uh, now that WWE has this partnership with Slim Jim, I really hope that we get the correct rings and everything in 2k 24 for Halloween havoc because the ring mat and the ring posts were covered in Slim Jim stuff ads. And in the video games, mm. it's just like WCW. So it's like you're always going to see that it's incomplete. Yeah. Now that they have this, we have Snickers in the video game already. So with Slim Jim and their partnership. Hey. Bring it in. How, like, come on. But something yeah. else I marked out over. Uh, celebrity Family Feud. You had Seth Rollins, The New Day, and Dolph Ziggler face off against Becky Lynch, Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, and Liv Morgan. And uh, the men won, but it's always really cool, cool to see wrestlers on shows like this. I just spoke about Brie Bella on the $100,000 pyramid last week. 
Yeah, we always we always mark out for it. I love yeah. it. And then I think a huge mark out moment, something else from Peacock, American Nightmare Becoming Cody Rhodes came out this week, and it's such a well done documentary. I wish Goldust they discuss was everything. Yeah, I wish Goldust was part of it though. Obviously, I get him being an AEW, so he's not going to be in it. They did have AEW covered via footage from being the elite, which was like we going into this, you knew that we were going to see BTE footage, but that's just like so weird to see the young bucks and, and stuff like that on a WWE produced documentary. Mm-hmm. Even in the thank yous, they got thanked for it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. But uh, that's pretty cool. They could have easily not done a thank you. Yeah. Well, no, I. So that's cool. They couldn't have easily done not done a thank you because they were using their footage. Yeah, but they didn't have to include them in the credits. No, they had to do that because they used their footage. They didn't have to use their footage. Well, I'm sure that they got approval to use their footage. Yes, that so it. that's why you would have to thank them. You can't use their footage without thanking them. I don't think you have to necessarily put everybody. I that feel you like utilize. you 100% if you're making a documentary, you they always have that you, whole list. Thank you, so-and-so, this and that. Yeah, I think you should, but... They showed yeah. a press picture of Tony Khan in there, so that was <laughs> like kind of unexpected. But yeah. I think my favorite part of the documentary was when Stephen Amell, I guess, broke the fourth wall to talk about himself when he wrestled Stardust because he was the narrator. So I thought that was pretty cool. Also cool to see Matt Cardona in it. But you should definitely be checking this out. It's on Peacock, like I said. American Nightmare Becoming Cody Rhodes is out now. So those are the markout moments of the week. And that was episode 652. You can check us out on Twitter at MarkingOut at BTTG161. David, PTDPT on both platforms. Chris Sweendog on Twitter. CM Sweeney85 on Instagram. At MarkingOut11 on Instagram and threads and and, uh, YouTube. Facebook.com slash MarkingOut. ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut, Twitch.tv slash MarkingOut, at MarkingOut on TikTok, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com, and we wish you the The best of luck in your future future endeavors. endeavors.